From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is the KZYX News for Friday, December 30th. I'm Sarah Wright. Lawsuits about rails-to-trails projects have become an industry, according to an expert in the history of public lands in the U.S. I don't mean that critically. When you think about it, there are thousands of railroad rights-of-way that have been or are in the process of being converted to recreational trails, and they cross hundreds of thousands of pieces of property, and, you know, each one of those property owners might have a claim. In Northern California, close to 300 private landowners are suing the Federal Department of Justice over the Great Redwood Trail. Planning efforts for the future recreational trail are the responsibility of a state agency after the Surface Transportation Board, a national body that regulates railroads, ruled that the span of line between Willits and Eureka can be abandoned and rail-banked. But portions of the trail run through or alongside private property, and some of those landowners are demanding compensation for land they say was taken from them by the Surface Transportation Board's decision. They maintain that the value of their property has been degraded, John Leshy, emeritus professor at UC Hastings College of the Law, is author of the book Our Common Ground, A History of America's Public Lands. From their beginning, railroads have played a central role in the interplay of public and private property. Prior to the Civil War, this was all bound up with the slavery issue, (laughs) amazingly enough, uh, because the slave South did not want the West opened up because they feared that as the West opened up, and new states were admitted, they would lose their power in Congress, and Congress would abolish slavery. Uh, And so they fought the rail grant movement, and they held up the legislation in Congress that would have authorized these huge land grants to build transcontinental railroads. It was only after they walked out of Congress uh, in 1861 that Congress had the political power then to authorize the first transcontinental rail line, 1862, and quickly followed with several others and ultimately granted more than 100 million acres of formerly public land to these rail lines uh, to build the railroads, uh, which they did. Uh, And the rail lines in Northern California here were, were part of that movement. So it's a very important part of American economic and social history. Originally, the federal government's rationale behind the land grants was based on a different idea about the railroad's impact on property values than the one held by some neighbors of the future trail. What it did was it granted the, the rail lines a right-of-way to build the rail, the actual rail line, and then it gave them enormous blocks of land alongside of that right-of-way uh, in 640-acre checkerboards. The idea of the checkerboard, interestingly enough, was the government said, you know, um, this land is going to become much more valuable when the rail line is built, and we don't want to just give huge blocks of land to the railroads. We want to keep some of those lands so that we, the U.S., will reap the value of the improved value once the rail line is built. That's interesting because... um. Because the contention is that the public use of the land will degrade the value of the private land, but it sounds like that's flipped entirely. Yeah, and in terms of today's kind of disputes, you know, you can argue both sides of this, I think. I mean, on the one hand, you're a property owner and you've got a nice piece of, you know, rural property, but if there's a railroad on it and you've got you know long freight trains going by all the time and especially back in the old days when they were coal powered and a lot of black smoke and they and they gave off sparks and caused fires and you know 
it could be very degrading to your property to have a, a railroad going by. And in that sense, you could say, well, geez, if you got rid of the rail line and actually had hikers and bicyclists, isn't that better, <laughs> you know, for your for your property? Isn't that quieter and right. kind of less dangerous and all of that? So you could argue that. But on the other hand, if you've got a nice piece of rural property with a pear orchard on it or something and you don't want, uh, you know, hordes of recreationists out there uh, with their dogs or whatever threatening your pear orchard. So, you know, it's got there are both sides to this. Some pear farmers worry that without proper sanitation facilities, passing hikers and their pets might relieve themselves in their orchards. That would violate strict health codes and could destroy the value of the crop. The right of the orchard owners to collect damages hinges on the kind of deal their predecessors made with the railroad about the right-of-way. Those deals are not uniform across all areas, so a major part of any rails-to-trails lawsuit is figuring out the historical terms of the property right. If the landowner, the pear orchard owner here, never had the right to stop the public from crossing that right away for broad public purposes, then the landowner has no complaint. If the landowner wins and can establish that the original grant only involved railroads and nothing else, then the fact that this pear orchard owner is going to suffer damages from letting general public access with dogs and whatever cross the property and threaten their pear orchard, then it be- that becomes a measure of their damages. They could, if they can show, you know, sort of special damages here to the pear orchard, that they could get compensation for that. If they didn't, if they had not already granted or their predecessor, you know, 150 years ago, had not granted a broad right of public access. So that's what it comes down to. The most recent lawsuit was just filed this month. The next steps are nailing down the details of the historic agreements and assessing the properties before any deliberations about compensation can begin. Leshy has one piece of advice for those who are waiting for a resolution. And don't hold your breath. For KZYX News, I'm Sarah Wright. For all our local news with photos and more, visit kzyx.org. You can also subscribe to the KZYX News Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.